1: This is Newsroom Robots, the podcast where we explore the intersection of artificial intelligence and the news industry. I'm Nikita Roy, data scientist, media entrepreneur, and one of the many founders currently building their ventures at the Harvard Innovation Labs. On the Newsroom Robots, I'm excited to bring you insightful conversations with industry experts about how AI is impacting the way we do journalism. Our guest today is Damon Kiso, a digital media pioneer who has witnessed the transformation of the news industry firsthand and now helped shape the next generation of journalists as the nightshare in digital editing and producing at the Missouri School of Journalism. He's also the co-founder of the News Product Alliance. Previously, he's been with McClatchy as the director of product where he created the company's first product design and user experience research teams. Over at the Boston Globe, he guided the mobile strategy of the publication, and he founded the mobile media blog for Pointer. In this episode, we hear Damon's views on how newsrooms can adapt to the AI revolution the importance of a human-centered design mindset when building AI-driven products, and touch upon the crucial skills required for the next generation of journalists. Hi, Damon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Newsroom Robots podcast.
2: Great to be here. Great name.
1: Thanks. So, Damon, we've started off the year 2023 with AI no longer just being a buzzword or a novelty. It's everywhere. And for us as part of the news industry, we appear to be at a really pivotal point where these technologies are starting to impact the real world. And I want to get your take as a digital media pioneer. What has been your perspective on how AI will transform journalism?
2: It's a great question, and honestly, this comes up every time there's a new technology that's sort of launched into the world that obviously has some sort of relevance or interest for journalism or the business of journalism. Francesco Marconi, who has a used to work at the Wall Street Journal, has an AI-based startup. describes like the phases of AI in three steps. I'm not sure I have the his labels exactly right, but like automation was where we started, where it does sort of simple tasks and then that support or enablement of like maybe routine tasks still but like writing like Grammarly I use as a as a writing tool or spell check like that support and we're now in the generative phase of like AI and I think that's where obviously a lot of the buzz has come from recently but that's also where a lot of the the riskier aspects of the technology are are, are sort of quickly coming to bear or more apparently which is why we're here talking about it right
1: Yeah. And how have you been thinking about like generative AI and the entire buzz surrounding that? How could journalists now leverage that in news production?
2: Yeah. Carefully (laughs) would be my my first buzzword on that. You know, CNET started doing AI generated stories before people were really aware of what generative AI was, popularly speaking. And they published 77 stories that were sort of filled with errors because they weren't apparently clear on the ethics or sort of the the mechanics of how that worked. Just this week, Bing's chatbot sort of got into a, I call it a tiff with Google's chatbot because someone at Hacker News posted a joke and that got picked up as a fake news story and then Bing was saying that Google's chatbot had been shut down, right? So there's all these like very emergent things going on and, and some are risks of misinformation, some are just really entertaining, right? There's questions around like News Corp is expecting OpenAI to pay royalties if you're training the, the language model on Wall Street Journal stories, for instance. So, Like this doesn't just touch one piece of the industry, it touches like almost every aspect or segment because, I mean, we're in digital media, right? So everything is, is digital and is prone to intervention or improvement or disruption right? By technologies like this. You know, the problem is we in the news media are in the business of like creating understanding, right? Creating, we're in the knowledge creation business and these AI models don't actually generate knowledge. They generate mimicry Mm -hmm. and repetition in the generative models. They, they create mimicry of past knowledge, assuming that the models were trained on accurate data and assuming that the models are able to make sense of the sort of the chaos that is human communication. Right. So right now, if you ask it to cite a a fact, it's going to give you the fact and then make up the citation. Mm -hmm. Right. It just isn't quite there yet in terms of actual knowledge creation. Right. It's like the, the new Turing test is can we train a computer to jump to conclusions as well as a human being can? Right. Like fantastic. But, you know, heuristics are a huge time saver for the human brain because it's expensive. Thinking is expensive, right? But the problem with heuristics is is they, they let us impose like all sorts of cognitive biases on our decision making, right? Like including stereotyping, right, which leads to racism and other sort of really unfortunate side effects. So th- those are all, like the bad side or the risky ethical side of things for us. On the positive side, there's all sorts of tools. We're already using these in newsrooms, and we have been, right? Analyzing data, looking for trends, summarizing meeting transcripts, or summarizing interview transcripts like this, suggesting headlines. It'd be useful for A-B testing, like all these sort of things where you have a, a smaller controlled set of data or signals to look at. And in sort of that bucket, you can ask it to give you alternatives based on past well understood or routinized sort of processes or inputs, right? I think it's really good for that customer service. The Washington Post has been using it for smaller models of this for like election stories, where it's just this plugging in numbers into a pre-written template. Like all those are fantastic uses of the technology. Going to it and thinking it's actually a knowledge creator and can tell you really accurate things from an almost universal set of data sources is not, is not where we are.
1: Yeah. And circling back to the disruption caused by technology, you've been a part of the news media industry, you know, the the disruption caused by the transformation to the digital media era. And I want to take a step back into your career. You've worked on helping newsrooms innovate and build these digital products over at the Boston Globe and McClatchy previously. And we're in a similar moment in time where the media industry again has to evolve and I'd love to hear more about your journey when building news products for newsroom with this kind of digital first mindset. What lesson did you really take away at that time during the digital revolution that could be applied to newsrooms once again, who have to evolve to keep up with the AI
2: revolution? Yeah, I mean, that's been that's been a a journey, physical and sort of learning journey. Certainly, I think originally early on my career before I was really involved in the product management side the business side of the the profession I was really I think chasing technology right I started after I left newsrooms proper I I was at pointer in student Florida for a year studying mobile and social technology and really interested in what those what that could do for for journalism and studying and, and writing about it and teaching about it and it was really during that period that i started realizing or thinking about the fact that the technology changes constantly like every couple years there's something new interesting but journalism isn't really in the business of chasing technology or shouldn't be it's really in the business of serving readers or serving communities and i mean that's why i went back to school to get a master's in human factors and information design which is very much a human-centered design research focus because I really wanted to go to step back from the tech and say, how do we serve communities? How do we serve people better? And then what are the tools we use to do that with? And certainly mobile is one social is one, but coming from the human perspective, we ask about what are the needs of the community first. And then we look at the portfolio of tools we have of which AI is now one and say, what can we do with this tech to improve our communities, to improve our business, Right to make things more efficient or better to add value, social and economic value, because we're a business in some way. And it really comes down to, in all those cases, like rule number one is do no harm, right? Like the Growth. yes, good idea. How do we make sure we're doing the right thing and not just doing the easy thing because we've been sold, if I can go back to social, we've been sold that doing Facebook video would be a fantastic thing to make money because the metrics were being distorted by someone who had a lot of self-interest in distorting the metrics, right? If those sort of hype cycles and you're listening, you're, you're, if your primary source of authority on something being a good or bad idea is the business that's created the product, right and you're making your business decisions based on that interest and not on in the interest of your community, you're going to go down a lot of blind alleys or over a lot of cliffs. So that's a general, sort of a very general perspective. Obviously, there's a lot of nuance underneath that.
1: And getting into your expertise about human design-centered thinking, I'd like to delve into your thoughts on how can we as journalists take that mindset and approach AI when creating products now for the newsroom that involve AI?
2: Yeah, I think it goes back again to the sort of the three layers or the three levels of sophistication of how we use the tools like on the on the more internally focused uses like automating alerts, digging into data, those types of uses, supplementing sort of routine activities in the newsroom that aren't directly creating the journalism, but maybe supporting like administrative work or research and news gathering. like there's not a lot I don't think there's a lot of risks there, especially if you're not using the generative models, but using just a learning model. That's you're training maybe on your own data, you're using it for very specific uses. That's fantastic. I think when you get to the the current sort of emerging aspects of it, right? The challenge there is like these. That's a black box. I put it this way: all those models work is a black box. We don't know sort of what language models, what source those language models are trained on. Like, have they been designed or developed ethically? Basically, is the question I think newsrooms need to be asking. Like. How do we know? I'm I'm thinking about like ethically sourced diamonds and ethically sourced coffee, right, is a thing we talk about now. We didn't used to. Like, I worry about my iPhone being ethically sourced, and it's not, right? Certainly, the current AI, we don't feel necessarily it's been ethically sourced, but we don't know because those aren't typically public models. So I worry more about the centralized, the big models that Google or OpenAI or those level of organizations are, are launching, and I might worry less about, I don't know, can we call them artisanal sort of AI models that could be trained locally for smaller uses, but more targeted and sort of more ethical trainings and deployments and control over, right? Because again, we don't want to be launching a news product into the wild that we think is just reporting the facts, but it's got biases somehow deeply embedded in it because the The learning model included like five years of 4chan, right? We don't know that. Mm -hmm. And so how do we avoid that problem is sort of the the do no harm thing that comes first. And to understand more,
1: what do you think would be the ideal approach for a news product manager right now to who's looking into all of these AI models that are coming out and also having to incorporate it and innovate it at the same time within the newsroom. What should they keep in mind?
2: Yeah. So definitely newsrooms or or news organizations are not, do not typically need to be early adopters of a new tech. That's different than saying they shouldn't be early experimenters with the tech, Mm -hmm. right? They absolutely should be early experimenters with the tech, and I think it comes down to what are the needs in the newsrooms. They need to understand the technology. They need to understand not just currently what it can do, what it's likely to be able to do in the next three, five, ten years in order to align sort of what's that tool set, what's that portfolio of capabilities it's going to be able to do, and how do those sort of different, because there's a lot of different channels of capabilities coming out How do those different channels align with the needs that we have in the organization or align with the needs that we identify in the community that we can somehow solve in a way that does align with our business needs, our ethical needs, our community needs, right? And so, and we are, we're seeing experiments. We should be experimenting, absolutely. We should be testing things that like are happening, meeting transcripts, A-B testing, some of those things I mentioned a minute ago. with a complete awareness of there's a difference between testing something for a back office use, like in a production or a news gathering and those kind of tasks, which are low risk in terms of ethical dilemmas or community harm risks versus testing projects or products which are community facing and are producing output or content in ways that we don't understand the underlying mechanics like at publishing stories and not realizing that AI, among other things, is really good at making things up, right? So I would put those into different buckets, sort of back of house, and front of house. Experiment as much as you want in the back, experiment as much as you want in the front, but don't necessarily be releasing breaking news stories, for instance, where you let AI run the show without strict human oversight and intervention, as an example.
1: And for those in the newsroom right now that are hesitant about AI and its adoption the same way it probably was in the digital media industry was transforming, what would you say that people need to keep in mind right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no such thing as a bad technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I hate to put it that way because it's a bit of a cliche, but there's no bad technology. There's poor uses of technology. There's technologies that are imposed sort of artificially on society because of the lack of oversight and regulation and understanding, right? We had elected members of Congress yesterday asking if TikTok needed to connect to Wi-Fi. That's not a real great recipe for intelligent discussion and sort of co-construction of technology with society if that's like one of the bodies responsible for regulating sort of how this emerges more broadly. So I think we need to be smarter than that in just saying, yeah, journalists can be suspicious of innovation. Often they're suspicious because it comes as a buzzword as opposed to a solution for an actual need. And I think we just need to talk about, yeah, there's hype. There's plenty of hype around AI right now, around the generative models. AI is not going anywhere, right? It's been a thing for a long time. It's improving to the point where now it's reaching sort of that has public uses in business and other in society we just need to identify what those really productive uses are now and there are already plenty of them and then we need to keep an eye on the more cutting edge or bleeding edge examples and figure out how when and where can we bring those into the culture of journalism right to make them make them work for us as opposed to make them work for the the profit making entity that's you know pushing those out and and hyping them up to some extent.
1: Yeah. And I want to step into the next part of your current journey right now as a professor at the Missouri School of Journalism. You are building the next generation of journalists. What do you think journalism schools right now need to do to prepare their students for a future in which AI is playing an increasingly important role and they know how to deal with it?
2: Yeah, they should be. They should be playing with it. They should be reading. I mean among other things playing with the the publicly available models and tools to understand that interaction to understand the the sense of it and the quality of the results you get based on different questions you can ask what it's good at what it's bad at currently it's learning as we are it's learning how to do its job as we're learning what its job can be so to speak right so you've got to be you got to be playing with it experimenting with it doing tests you've also got to be We've also got to be teaching journalists, and I think we do to some extent or another, like critical thinking, right? For instance. What is it good at? What is it bad at? How does it work? What are the motivations and incentives of the of the organizations developing the work? You know, we need to we need to be teaching journalists current and future, like to avoid shiny object syndrome where we do fall for the trap of it's new, it's interesting, it's fun, let's throw it on the webpage and see what happens. We're not really in the see-what-happens business, right? We're in the careful, cautious, ethical sort of innovation and production of, again, of, of news and understanding. That sometimes gets understood as journalism isn't innovative, and I I think journalism has historically been very innovative. We've been among the first industries to adopt all manner of technologies from carry pigeons to telegraph to, to video text, which failed but turned into the web, so to speak, right? We've been very innovative. What we haven't been real good at in some of those cases is, especially in the digital age, is turning that innovation into a, a product or a platform that's also good from a business perspective for us. So we need to sort of to loop back to your question because I diverted there a little bit, you know, we need to be teaching systems thinking to understand how this new thing fits into the larger ecosystem, right? We need to be teaching product thinking to understand, right, from my perspective that technology is not deterministic or it shouldn't be. Technology is open for negotiation. So we should be looking at this opening salvo of negotiation go, what do we like about it? What don't we like? How could it work? What are the risks? How do we then take our understanding of, of sort of that SWOT analysis of it and like apply that to news in a way that maintains our ethical concerns, our community needs? How do we make things more efficient so we as journalists can spend more time doing the work of you know reporting and being out in the community, so to speak? Like all those things, that, that's a that's a bunch of words to say, you know, news product thinking and news product management and having more technologists who come in with a uh, an education in social sciences, not just technology, right, in newsrooms. And we're doing that. You're certainly seeing that at a number of schools sort of teaching that balance between sort of STEM and humanities, if you want to phrase it in that way, to say that's a great, fun, new thing. AI is a great, fun, new thing. How can we do our best work with it?
1: Yeah. And now with this hype of AI, the hype of AI taking over the role of journalists, we also have journalism students coming out into an industry that has been experiencing a lot of layoffs and a very uncertain future. I want to know from your perspective, what are the key skills and knowledge that you think that the next generation of journalists need to have to prepare themselves for a career where they are going to work around with AI?
2: Yeah. Journalism students coming out. It's actually funny. They've come up now in a world where a lot of the technology just in the past 15 years that we've seen as earth shattering, or maybe I've seen as earth shattering at the time, because I'm old, you know, mobile phones and even just high speed broadband, like all this kind of stuff, um, constantly connected, right? They accept that as table stakes. Like that's not a new thing. So they definitely have a different understanding of it. What I worry is that Because these really revolutionary and disruptive technologies have been part of their DNA almost since birth, they might not necessarily see those as negotiations. They see those as that's how the world is. I think they really, they need to be more skeptical. Journalists are always skeptical. Like that's their business is to be skeptical. I want them to be more skeptical of new things, but not cynical, about it. And I think that gets back to your earlier question of why do journalists sometimes reject innovation? I think they become cynical because they've seen cycles of innovation that haven't really, quote unquote, helped journalism, which isn't entirely fair, but that's how it's perceived. I want them to be more skeptical and ask more questions, but I also want them to have the skills, not just of reporting, right, and editing and, and writing, but of like deeply understanding how technology works, how it develops how it's shaped and formed i mean this this is again critical thinking systems thinking having a human-centered approach or a community-centered approach not just the technology technology for us is a tool but having that human-centered approach to thinking about audience needs first and then looking at turning around and looking back in the office and going okay what tools do we have to solve those and it's going to be a little bit of ai it's going to be mobile it's going to be social right? Like all those solutions. There's obviously a lot of more cut and dried skills underneath that. And I, I don't say everyone should be a coder, for instance, but having an understanding of how to do some coding, even in Python, something like that, I think really opens your eyes to how technology works in ways that it doesn't if you you're just looking at the box. You have to open up the box, peer inside, poke around, get a sense of it. then if you want to put the box back on the shelf, that's fine as long as you walk away with sort of a little bit more understanding of this is part of society now. This is part of the world now. We can't just treat it like it's non-negotiable or we don't have to understand it, especially in the business of news. We have to understand it and figure out how to turn it or take advantage of it for news.
1: Yeah. And we're in the stage of poking around with AI. And so I want to conclude, I always ask all guests at the end about their final thoughts on h- looking into the future. How do you see the future of the newsrooms being with all of these newsroom robots and automation becoming a part of reality?
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's two answers there. One is AI is going to be used to eliminate jobs mm-hmm. because the profit motive, of especially of the the large media organizations is going to be to use this as an efficiency to cut costs. It shouldn't be used that way, and it's not appropriate for that use. But since the age of the Luddites, right, that's been what's happened, is we use new technology to increase productivity and reduce staff. What it really should be used for and it will be used for in many places is to make the work of creating good journalism and keeping an eye on the community and understanding data, those types of things, that's what it's perfect for it's just another type of computational skill that started with doing data journalism on mainframe computers and you know of course my highlight is excel sheets that's as that's as far as I can go with that but like it's it's a tool and we just need to figure out that what the right fit for the tool is in the many many use cases journalism has for computers and technology and artificial intelligence is I don't think we'll talk about AI as a separate thing in in 5 or 6 years in terms of how it's embedded just like I don't talk about spell check <laughs> as a tool separate from my word processor
1: yeah
2: right there'll always be an emergent characteristic of AI where it's doing something new but there's also going to be this briefcase of sort of settled technology that's improving but isn't disruptive and we're just going to use it on a daily basis without thinking twice about sort of how it works or why it's of value.
1: Okay, great. And just before we wrap up, I want to throw it back to you about how listeners can learn more about the work that you're doing and the current news product management textbook
2: that you worked on. Yeah, so I'm currently boycotting Twitter, so I won't <laughs> point people at my Twitter account. It's That's sad, but life moves on. I'm, I'm currently on <laughs> Mastodon. You can find me there if you want to follow me on Mastodon. You can search on on my name and you'll hopefully find me. Just finished writing, like literally put the last word in the document yesterday on a textbook on news product management. Hopefully we'll be out in the late fall, maybe November, December. Still waiting to get a final date on that. That's been a couple years of writing and thinking about news product management, the history of the ethics, the mission, how it aligns with new journalism as opposed to how product management and news aligns with sort of the different practices and the different motivations that you have in high tech in Silicon Valley specifically. So there's a there's a big distinction, I think, between the two. The News Product Alliance has been formed to think about and talk about and teach sort of that news product thinking in newsrooms. So that's really what I spent the past two years working on. And so what I'm teaching here at Mizzou is sort of that news product management and a capstone class I teach.
1: Fantastic. I'm so excited to read the book when it comes out later this year. And once again, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you. It's fantastic. That was Damon Kiso, the night chair in digital editing and producing at the Missouri School of Journalism and the co-founder of the News Product Alliance. Subscribe to Newsroom Robots wherever you get your podcasts and send us questions you'd like to ask our guests at newsroomrobots.com. This podcast was made possible thanks to the Harvard Innovation Lab's background. I'm Nikita Roy and thank you for listening to Newsroom Robots.